so amazing. It's so cool. It shifts from this really bad feeling to like, wow. So the, the female body is, ah, we are really cool. And the Positive Birth Story podcast is finally back on track again with me Swedish midwife Åsa Holstein. I'm a healthcare entrepreneur and a very proud mother to three teenagers. I want to start by thanking you for all the fantastic emails that you send me from around the world. They have really, really warmed my heart during this very challenging year for all of us and for me also on a very personal level with one child struggling with an eating disorder, a divorce, and the hardship of running a small business during a pandemic. So thank you. What I have found is that it all comes down to hope, faith, and love. And I have really worked hard to live what I teach in my birth preparing classes. Have faith to trust the process and give love to yourself. And here I am, healthy child and happily ever after, ready to let more positive and empowering stories about birth come to life. My strong belief is that we need these stories to prepare for birth with realistic expectations. And what I love with these stories is that what is considered to be a positive experience is so different from woman to woman. A red thread in the stories is to feel secure, validated and part of the decisions being made. With the stories I hope to give you hope and faith in that birth can be positive and empowering and that it can change the way we look upon ourselves and our abilities on a lifelong basis. There is a superpower residing in us that we with the right help can tap into during birth. In this episode we will hear Karin's powerful birth story, a planned home birth with her first child here in Sweden, a country where home births up until now have been pretty rare but there is a change in attitude arising among the women and among the midwives. And hopefully this episode will make more women curious about exploring that option. This is a podcast with women for women. Karin, welcome to the Positive Birth Story podcast. Thank you so much, Osa. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> you are uh, pretty unique with the Swedish standards. <laughs> you choose to um, give birth to your first child at home. Yes. In water. Yes. It was um, to give birth in water has always been very important for me because I know it really takes a good amount of load off from the body. And it really did for me too. So that was one of the most like things that I really wanted to do when I was giving birth was to give birth in water. Mm. Yeah. So you had a clear vision on how you wanted to give birth because there are so few women in Sweden that choose to give birth at home in water. Yes. Uh, so what made you take that decision? Was it just giving birth in water or was it other factors? That No, it was basically also to be home in my home environment, to feel the safeness of being within my four walls and just be able to relax, to go to the bathroom, to be in the couch if I wanted to, to shift to the bedroom. I, I could move like like you do at home, not in a hospital, and also not need to leave from home when you're in that much pain, which you are. And also to have the memory that he had been born in our apartment. I mean, it's amazing to be able to tell people like, yeah, we had a birthing pool in the in the living room and he's born right here, you know. 
it's uh, it's really amazing. You told me before that um, one of the reasons also was that in Sweden there is always the risk of being sent home again Yes, if you're not in active labor. Was that also a factor for you to decide on a home birth? Yeah, definitely. And this decision of yours to give birth to your first child at home, since it's a decision that's really off the beaten path here in Sweden, mm. uh, what were the reactions from the people around you? Um, mostly negative, I would say, uh, a few positive, but people were basically saying that I was completely crazy, you know, and they were like, but what about the risks with if something were to happen? And of course, if something were to happen, the, um, like, it would have been more risky to be at home than to be at the hospital but at the same time the midwives are so experienced so they know if there is something that's not right or I feel that something is off or wrong I just tell them and we go to the hospital Um, but I would mostly say negative unfortunately. Mm. And how did this affect you? Um, for a long time, it kind of affected me bad, especially because it was my parents who was most worried. And I, of course, I understand that. Uh, but I was talking to one of my midwives at, at a point and she said, you just have to tell them to basically shut up. Yeah, back off. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And wait with their questions, with their anxiety. I mean, if they have any questions, tell them to Google or like come back later after you have given birth because it, I mean, it impacts the mind negative, you know. So I I think maybe to half of my pregnancy or something, I was anxious and I was thinking maybe this is the wrong decision. Maybe we we should choose to go to the hospital. And I was talking to my to my boyfriend and he said, well, it's your decision, but I really think we should do this. And then, so he was positive to having the home birth. Definitely, he was the one who looked up the the web page with the midwives, and his uh, his aunt in the states she gave birth at home in a pool like I did. So he was very driven with me doing a home birth in mm. water. So he had positive information about what the home birth could be. Okay, definitely, hundred percent, yeah. yes. Mm. So where did you find the courage to really stand your ground as a first-time mom and do your thing? I'm very stubborn, <laughs> like really stubborn. <laughs> when I um, when I take a decision or on something, I stand with it, no matter what. It doesn't it doesn't matter what people are saying. Uh, if I really want to do something and my gut feeling says this is a good thing to do, I do it. The thing that I kept repeating in my mind was how often do you hear about home births going wrong and how often do you hear about births going wrong in the hospitals I mean I never heard about a home birth anywhere going wrong I mean maybe there is that I haven't heard of but most of the time you're getting fed with births that are going wrong in the hospitals So that was also one motivator for me not to go into the hospital because I knew that I'm in my home environment. I have this really experienced midwives. I'm safe. You know, I had really had this feeling that I'm safe. So I was adding that to my stubbornness and I was just having this positive mindset, this positive 
end goal in mind saying everything will be all right. Like all day, every day I was just thinking positive. And I think it really helped me to like relax and just trusting my body that I'm made to do this. I mean, people are, or women are squatting down, having a child in the woods. I mean, why can I have a child at home in a pool? It's nothing. It's nothing new, really. So that's why I chose this, basically. Mm. But it, to me, it also sounds like you have a profound belief in your own body. Because opting for a home birth, then you're also opting for a non-medical uh, birth. Mm. Uh, if there is pain involved, which it usually is. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then you, you, that's part of giving birth at home, that you cannot have the epidural or any heavier drugs. No. You fully trusted your body then to cope with it, sounds yes. like. Yes, I do. I don't know if it's connected with that I always wanted to be a mother. Like one of my biggest wishes in life has always been to be a mother. I always wanted a child of my own. But I know that I have a strong body. My body has been <laughs> experiencing much. So maybe maybe I just have like I'm really connected with my body and I know what it can do and I know what my I know what a strong mindset can do for first and foremost. I think it starts there like it really makes an impact on how you choose to think and what thoughts you have. So how did you prepare? I was reading the book Birthing Without Fear, a really good book. I recommend everyone to read that book. I think I actually didn't do much, really. I was just thinking positive. Um, I wasn't doing any special workouts or yoga. or I was just thinking, like, we're going to do this and we're going to do it good and it's going to be a positive experience and then I can have sushi because that was... <laughs> So longing for sushi my whole pregnancy. <laughs> um, I think that was the only way I was actually preparing myself. So bring us back to, to the day when birth started. Uh, yes, it was a Thursday afternoon. Andres came on a Sunday afternoon. So everything started on a Thursday. I was just... I think I had been home for a week. I just left work. You were full term then? Yes, mm. full term. Uh, he's two weeks early. So I I planned for two weeks at home. I was going to redecorate the bookshelf, but I didn't have time for that because I was so tired. Such an important thing to do yes, also to, in preparation for a child. <laughs> new baby, new bookshelf, definitely. <laughs> But it never happened. <laughs> I love all these nesting things that we do. <laughs> I know, they're so weird, but it's so cozy. Uh, the latent phase started on Thursday afternoon. And I was talking to my boss, I think it was at the time, because it was a summer party on Friday. And I was supposed to go. So I called my uh, one of the midwives and said, well, I think everything is up and running. I think everything is on its way. Uh, can I still go on to the party? And she was like, yeah, I think it's a good idea because then you will distract your minds on, some, on something else. But then I clocked the contractions and they were, I think, 10 to 15 minutes apart. So I called my boss and she said, well... 
how long is it between the contractions? And I said, 10 to 15 minutes. And she said, you're staying home. And I said, okay, I'm staying home. <laughs> so I stayed at home, no party. I was talking to my mother and father in, on the phone and they asked me, is anything happening? And I said, no, turning my head away from the speaker because I didn't want them to hear that I was in pain. And why was that? Because I, I didn't want to tell them anything when until everything was done. Because they're staying, they're living just five minutes away from me. So I didn't want them to like, can we come? You know, mm. and I didn't want them to worry. I just wanted them to have the phone call like now he's here. Do you think this also was based on their negative assumptions on you giving birth at home? I think so, yes. Because I really wanted to show them that there is nothing dangerous about this. This is the end result. See, everything went well. That's what I wanted to give them. I told you so. <laughs> I, exactly. In a good way. I told you so. Really so. Um, no, but Friday came. One of my midwives, Anna, she said, if you could can hold him in until tomorrow, Saturday, I can join you because he was working between Friday and Saturday. So I really wanted her to be there when everything was happening. Um. And Saturday came, and it got more and more intense. And Anne, one of the midwives, came. I think it was four in the afternoon. She came, and we were sitting and talking, and she checked me, and I was one centimeter open at 5 p.m. on Saturday. And then she left, and the contraction started to get harder and harder. And I think when the time was 11 p.m., I called them, and I said... Now you can come. So they came and it started for real. They were doing this amazing acupuncture, like really taking care of me with every contraction. I think I took maybe four or five contractions myself. Otherwise they were there. They were patting me on the back. They were serving me water. They were really like taking a good load off. And the first four centimeters were, were really hard. Really, really hard to get to open. In what way would you say? Because they were taking so long time. Oh. Um, so you had like a prolonged latent phase, it sounds like. I don't know. They, they didn't say anything about that, but it feels like it. I think nine in the morning, the day after on Sunday, I was open four centimeters. And then he came 2.32 p.m., so it was a quite few hours mm. more mm. after that, mm. after that, um, and that four centimeters were open. So it was uh, it was a struggle, and I mean there were no like you're saying there were no painkillers, no epidural. I just had these kvadlar. I don't know the word. Sterile water injections. Ster yes, <laughs> sterile water injections, which uh, which hurt. <laughs> Very like much hell. like hell. It's bee stings times hundred, I think, and they were putting like four needles at the same time to make it really effective. So I did, I think, three. No or pain, four. no gain. Have you heard about that? Yes. <laughs> well, yes, I gained a lot. I really did. So it was completely worth it. But I remember I was looking because we recorded the whole birth, and I didn't cry when Andres came. I thought I was going to cry because, you know, when you're looking at this, uh, when people are giving birth on TV, I always cry like huge floods, but I didn't cry a, a drop when Andres came. 
but when we were looking at the videos that we were when we were recording the whole birth I was looking at the the part where they were putting the sterile water injections and then I cried (gasps) because I could see you know it hurted so much Mm. so yes that hurts and what did you gain from getting them it's I think they are supposed to uh, I mean they're distracting the pain from that area it's not like epidural but it's it's supposed to be similar I think to really to lead off the pain Um, and I think they were active for like 45 minutes 45 to 60 minutes and then you have to do new ones Mm. if you're still in that Mm. much pain so yes that hurt like hell definitely (laughs) Yeah, so the physiological response to getting the water injections under the skin, uh, like you say, it's a bee sting times 100, yes. is that um, your own system for pain relief with the endorphins is activated. Mm-hmm. So the body starts to release enormous amounts of endorphins, mm. which is like morphine. Mm. <laughs> so uh, the pain subsides. Mm. And for some women, it is the same effect as having an, having an epidural mm-hmm. if it's applied in the right way. And if you as a woman are, um, you're, you're okay with having them. Mm. So you're not forced into having them because women that are forced into getting them mm. hates them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't ask for them. I don't think I was forced, but maybe in a way I was. But that was because my body just didn't manage the pain anymore. But I remember it was the midwives who told me that you have to have them. Mm, so you needed them for some kind of pain relief to relax? or Yes, because I was tensing it up, mm. um, which made that I, I mean, I couldn't relax. I couldn't. And as you know, it makes the whole process tensed up mm. which is not good mm. so that was the reason i i got the the sterile water injections mm. and you said that the midwives were helping you throughout each and every contraction and that maybe you took four contractions on your own yes what, what did your partner do sleep slept <laughs> no 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 I, I'm, now i'm unfair but he yes he slept a bit he slept a few times <laughs> and that was because he just wanted to be He wanted to be prepared. If we were to go to the hospital, we were driving ourselves, so he didn't want to be too tired. But mostly, he was around me, uh, holding my hand when we were in the when I were in the pool. Because from the beginning, I I was writing in my um, birthing note that I wanted him to be in the pool with me. But I mean, that was impossible in my case because I was just flipping from each side. To, mm. to the other. So you were not still sitting still in the pool? No, no. I wasn't. I was moving around a lot. I was flipping over from like back to tummy all of the time. But he was there like patting my back, holding my hand. And at one point um, when I was throwing up, I think it was the third time, I, I threw up four times. And the third time uh, I said to him, I can't do this anymore. We have to go to the hospital. And he said, no, you're my little Viking. You can do this. And I was like, okay, let's give it another go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so it helped you, his coaching? He, Yes, he was. I mean, we, we, from the beginning, I mean, we talked about the situation. And I, I explained to him what I probably might need during this process and how, how 
I wanted him to help me in, in which ways, etc. And I think we followed that kind of like the idea we had had. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want any massage. I didn't ask for any massage. I just, I mean, the most important thing for me was that he was there. Just the sensation that he was there. Did it piss you off that he slept or was it okay for you? I think it did a little bit because we have been talking about it afterwards. Because I've been asking like my sister-in-law, I've been asking my older brother, like, did you sleep during like labor or and they said no we were awake the whole time um, so yes it was a disappointment for me but was it because they said that they did that they didn't sleep or was it because you've actually felt it when you gave birth do you understand what i mean is it an after construction or is is that actual feeling that you were pissed off during your birth because he was asleep I, I think I was, during, mm. yes, because I felt like now I'm doing this alone, mm. you know. So during the times when he actually was there, it was, of course, important. But this, at the same time, I mean, I would have liked to have him there mm. all every minute, mm. all of the time. Of course, he had to go to the bathroom or whatever. But still, we're doing this together. This is our kid. You need to be awake with me, you know. Mm. But when we when we spoke about it afterwards, he said... It was because if I were about to drive, I really mm. wanted to be like... Mm. Clear in his head. Yes. So if you could redo it, would you have told him that you would have liked him to stay awake? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And we talked about it. I mean, if we're going to have a next child together, mm. I said, you're going to stay awake with me. And he mm. said, yes. I'm asking because... <laughs> I think I would have been really pissed off. (laughs) But some women, they're just fine with it. So it's very individual. But if you feel like it's disturbing you that your partner goes to sleep when you're working, I think you should address it. Because you have the right to want your partner to be with you and awake. Of course, because I mean, he's my pillar. You know, Mm. he's my other half. Mm. It's the baby's father. He's just supposed to be there. Or maybe make a little agreement, like, it's fine with me, you can sleep 45 minutes, and then I want you back. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You're always entitled to your emotions when you give birth, and whatever emotions you have, uh, yeah, I think it's important that we respect them. Mm. Makes it easier for us to give birth. Definitely, because you relax in a different way. Yeah. But now we know for next time he's staying, definitely staying. And why do you think you didn't say anything? Did you want to be like a good girl and not ask for help, or...? I think during the time I wasn't actually noticing him going to sleep maybe once. Mm. I think he went to sleep maybe two or three times. But I think most of the times I just didn't notice that he went away because I was in my emotion with my midwives. You were in your zone? I think so, yes. Mm. But I remember one time I had to go wake him up because I I was having the ster- sterile water injections. And I remember when I was like waking him up, I felt like, why are you here and not out there with me, you know? Mm. Maybe I should give you the sterile water injections <laughs> <laughs> Like, wake up. <laughs> he would never have been able to drive you. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So you've been working with contractions for quite a few hours now. Almost yes. three, three, three days. Yes. You've been having some sleep maybe in the first phase in yes. between contractions. I actually managed to, because I didn't sleep anything from, I think, I didn't sleep anything during Saturday evening. And they came around 11 p.m., I think. And maybe I got a few hours sleep between maybe three and five in the morning. And I was sitting, I had this amazing moment with Anne. It was just her and I. Everything was um, everything was dark. Both Anna and Chris were sleeping in separate rooms. And she was just sitting there like patting my back, patting my hair. Everything was just calm. I, were, I weren't in pain because I had the sterile water injections. And everything was just calm. It was just like this. It was like... Time stood still, you know, completely amazing. And it was a, a time for me to really gather energy and be able to breathe and to like, okay, let's continue on. Let's do this. And I remember they were doing a check by nine in the morning and then I was four centimeters open. And then a few more hours passed by. I was getting up and down in the pool. I was walking around. I had a moment where I actually acted like a teenager. I was running into my bedroom, throwing myself in the bed and was mad. And I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Stop already. <laughs> you know. Were you like seven centimeters dilated by then? I think, think it's some, yes, some, I don't know. They didn't check actually. Do you <laughs> think it was that? The women do the most random things. Really? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, you've been working with contractions for quite a few hours yes. then, usually, yes. especially yes. if it's your first child. And then between around seven centimeters, it is like it kind of increases the intensity of the contractions mm -hmm. and you are starting to become pretty tired. Yes. It's hard to mentally focus and yes. be really uh, nice and uh, affirmative towards, oh, I love the contraction. Keep coming. Yeah, keep coming. exactly. <laughs> no, no, you don't feel like so that. So what happened definitely. then? <laughs> um, I think maybe I was just, like you're saying, on the ver verge of being exhausted. Mm. I felt like enough already. Can you just come out, please? Um, so I went into the bedroom and I acted out like that. And I went back into the living room and I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, so you took a time out kind yes. of because you were alone. I was. Or, no, I so wasn't. so funny. You cracked no. up, Carl. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't alone, but I went into the, into the bedroom and Anna came after and she was like, like, come on, come on, you can do this. Take it easy. And I was like, no, I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. Like. Ah, enough, you know. <laughs> um, and then she went out and I went out and I felt bad. And I was like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to act out like that. And they were like, no, but it's okay. No worries. It's fine, you know. We've seen worse. <laughs> uh, probably, yes. <laughs> it was over in like two minutes. So I think I, I'm not one of the baddest or the worst cases. Um But time kept moving on, and I think around, maybe around 11.30, just before lunch, I know that Anne and Anna, they were discussing how they, wanna, how they were going to manage the, the rest of the time, because they didn't know exactly how long, how much more it will take before he was out. Mm. 
And I don't know how open I were at that time, maybe around nine centimeters or something, eight, something like that. So this, they decided to bring another midwife. And I was just, you know, when you're just, you just checked out, everything is like in this zone where you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, hello, high on you and all of those things. So I was lying in the birthing pool and she came and she said, she shake my hand. I was like, yeah, yeah, hi, hi. And she brought her two dogs. So suddenly I get this big slap of a dog's tail in my face. It smelled wet dog everywhere because <laughs> it had been raining the second before. And she brought her dogs in. So it was just chaos. I know Chris was trying to like guide her, like you can put the dogs on the balcony. The lamp in the ceiling, which he wired up with some like wire, were about to fall down on my head. And I think it actually did. I think that the thread from the lamp, it, it broke. So I got a lamp in my head. First I got a dog's tail and then I got a lamp in my head and everything was just chaos. And I was like, but what are you guys doing? Like, hello, where, where are you guys? Why is this? It was like this beehive. This will not happen in the hospital. No, not with the dogs. <laughs> no at dogs. Least. No, no dogs. Very seldom lamps falling down too. No, but it can happen. <laughs> yes, I, I don't. I hope they have these regular hospital lamps, but you never know. But probably not. No. And the midwife came in and she said she's breathing too too rapidly. This is the third midwife. This yeah. is the third midwife mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and she claimed that when I'm breathing too rapidly, my contractions are coming closer together than they should if I've been breathing more like slowly or right, so to say. So she took this bag, this plastic bag, and put over my mouth to make me hyperventilate. And I was like, what is this? You know, what, what are you doing? What the hell is this? So I pushed the bag away because I was really feeling that I was doing a good work with the breathing. And then she stood behind me because I was standing in the dog's position and she was patting my my back like really hard to make where really low like really low yeah. like in the by the lumber curve mm-hmm. really to make it look like this sterile water injections and I remember it was it was hurting also like hell because you know I was really tender from the real sterile water injections so I mean that That period wasn't very nice, but still, like, in in wholeness of the the birth itself, it's just a small part that wasn't working as I, I wanted it to be. So then she left because she needed to be elsewhere. I was just going to ask that. Did you kick her out? But she left. She left, actually. Uh. I don't think I would dare to kick her out. I'm too um, shy. So that's why also I think it's best for me to give birth at home I don't know maybe I would be able to tell people off if I'm not pleased with the situation but she left which was a good thing so we continued on and I think the time was around lunch maybe 12 30 or something and I started to ask them how far and long are we how much is there to go and they said well it could be half an hour it could be an hour we don't know and I asked them to check again and I think I was about nine centimeters open um and when the time were 2 p.m in the afternoon on Sunday I asked them can you please just remove him can you take him out 
And they said, I'm so sorry, we can't do that. And I got pissed and I said, why can't you do that? And they were like, really? And I was like, of course you can't do that because you have to wait until I push him out. But then they said around that time that it's about 30 minutes to go because I was fully dilated. And I remember at the time I was thinking, it's so strange that no one in my family has called. Like it's 2, almost 2.30 and they haven't called all day. I had this pushing contractions for 70 minutes and he came out with this uh, call on his head. Intact membranes. Yes, exactly. So at first it was like pushing out a balloon. So it came out and then it went in and it came out and it went in. And I was doing that for maybe, I, I think I was pushing four or five times until that balloon came out. And then his head came. And when his head came, now I'm coming to my point with my parents or with my family. Just when I had pushed his head out, my phone rang. And it was this really high speed tempo, like, um, signal. It was Shakira's, one of her, like, really party songs. And Chris was saying, should I pick it up? And I was just (laughs) pushing his, I was just pushing Andres' head out. You know, I just had his head between my legs. And Chris is saying, should I pick it up? Is he a brother? Should I, should I answer? And I was like... No, and I had a pushing contraction again. (laughs) That is so funny. And you can see, because we have recorded the whole birth, and you can see Anna, like, when Chris is saying, oh, it's your brother, should I pick up? She was like, what? What What do you mean? No, you can't pick up now, you moron. (laughs) The timing is not optimal. No, you know, I have my son's head between my legs. And I was like saying, like asking him afterwards, I was like, what what were you thinking? What do you mean like answering now? And he was like, well, it's your brother. I want you to make the decision. So I just don't overrule your decision. I was like, I don't give a fuck who's who's calling now. You know, I'm giving birth, man. Like, hello. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So you push out the call. Yes. The amniotic sac. And then you push out his head. Yes. And then what? I get to feel his head. Anna says, reach down. And it was the most amazing feeling, you know, to feel his head like this is, I mean, this is it. Here he is. And then I had one contraction more, I think, and I pushed him out. And Anne was the one who uh, reached down for him. He was the one to caught him. And then she put him on my chest and everything was just so, like, this is it. This is so right. The stars are in line. Here we are. Here he is. It's just the most amazing feeling in the world. And one of the coolest feeling that I had when I had him on my chest. Like, shifting from this state where you're just drained of energy. First and foremost, drained of energy. I've been at it for three days. I'm exhausted. I'm in pain. You know, I just want everything to be over and done with. And then you have your child on your chest. And I was like, okay, so what's next? Should we go and play golf? Or, you know, I just had this energy, 
this energy, I didn't know where it came from, you know, just in a second. It, it's so amazing. It's so cool. It shifts from this really bad feeling to like, wow. So the, the female body is, ah, we are really cool. So did you have to break the membranes once it was out or had they already broken? One on had broken, mm? but one were there, mm? one were left. Mm? So, and we read that a lot of kings are actually being born with a call. So that's kind of cool. I know. In Sweden it's called segruva. Yes. And the English word for that is call. Exactly. But you usually say... Victoryhood. Victoryhood. <laughs> I love that. A victoryhood. Yeah, it's supposed to bring the child great success. So no, but then uh, after he was born, it took seven minutes until the placenta came. So that was kind of fast, which was nice. And you were still in the water, in the pool? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was waiting in the in the pool. Mm-hmm. And then when the placenta came, I I stood up and went to take a shower. <laughs> and uh, Anna, I remember Anna, she was uh, one of the midwives. Midwives, they were. She came into the to the shower and said, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, I'm taking a shower because you know it was the summer that was really really hot." Mm. So I was really sweaty and I, I just felt like, oh, I just want to take a shower. But then I was looking down and it was this huge stream of blood coming down from my legs. And I was like, okay, maybe not now because she was afraid that I was going to faint, faint because mm. I hadn't been drinking, I mm. hadn't been eating, you know, just, I was just completely exhausted. And a little bit of blood with a lot of water is looking like major amounts oh, of blood yes. too. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It, it looked, um, it looked. I think it looks looked worse than it actually mm. was. But still, I mm. mean, it's not a good time to stand up. No, maybe you could have waited. But yeah, you went into Viking mode. Yes, of course. <laughs> As I do. <laughs> then we shower. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. No, but after the shower, I went back to bed. And Chris had been holding Andres, um, and we were waiting for the blood in the umbilical cord to just run through, so everything goes through Andres. Yeah, so he was still connected to the placenta. Yes, Um, exactly. And then we went to the bedroom. I was laying down in the bed. I was holding Andres. Uh, Chris was cutting the cord. Uh, we were weighing, measuring, checking that everything looked fine. I, For me, I just needed a few stitches. And we put a note on the door. Oh, for, you did? Yes, for the neighbors. What did the note say? Uh, it said, we're having a baby. A birth in progress. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, I, I didn't scream. You know, when you look at movies, people the, the women are screaming straight out. I mean, you shouldn't do that. Definitely. I I sounded like a cow. You moan. Yes. I was like, yes, that really low sound. So luckily it wasn't, because that was my, one of my biggest fears that I was going to scream. I was going to sound so much that people were wondering what was going on. They actually had that one situation where if a woman was, she was sounding so much or screaming that the neighbors called the police. Mm. So the police the came. domestic violence situation yes. going on. Yes. 
So the police came and the midwives were like, no, 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 but she's giving birth. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, sorry, good luck. Sorry, sorry. So to be able to not have the situation, we had a, a note on the door. And I remember when Chris was, he was going out to the balcony to put the the birthing pool on, on, the, um, on the balcony to make it dry a little bit. We had our neighbors coming and saying, oh, uh, did you have, I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but they were something, they were saying something similar to like, have you had a party or something? Because it looked like this party tent. Mm. I don't know who has a party mm-hmm. tent inside, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. anyhow. And he said, no, we just had a child. And they were like, oh my God, contra- congratulations. They were really, really happy. So it was really interesting to see the neighbor's reaction. Like when we were going in Saturday and coming out Sunday with this freshly baked baby. <laughs> So your brother called uh, when your baby's head was out yes. <laughs> to the tunes of Shakira. Yes. <laughs> so when did you finally call your parents or your brother? Uh, we called them kind of briefly afterwards, actually. Uh, I was still in the pool with Andres. Ah, so before the placenta came. Yes. And, ah, I think the, no, the placenta had... Oh, I don't, oh, I don't remember, no. actually. No, okay. but I was still in the pool having Andres on my chest and we called Chris's mother up through FaceTime, so they could see. Oh, we called everyone by FaceTime. And then I think after I had the shower and went back to bed, we called the rest of my family. And what were their reactions? They were so happy. They were really, really happy, crying, like, congratulations, now he's finally here, and really, really happy. My dad was so happy that he posted a notice on Facebook before we did. Oh, he did? How was that? It's not always uh, how I, you wanted to be presented to the world. No, 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 no. I was furious. I was like, but dad, come on. Because that's a post you really want to post. Anne got really, she got also mad. She was like, well, that's not okay. And I was like, no, this is not okay. So actually my dad and my mom posted on Facebook. So Chris called first my mother up saying, can you please remove it so we can mm. put something up first? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yes, yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But my dad was like, no. We said no. Yes, he kept it. No Christmas present for him that year. No, no. I don't think he got one, actually. (laughs) He got banned from Christmas. You're not welcome. (laughs) No, but he said he was sorry afterwards. But still, you know. So It's like stealing your your thing. Yes, he definitely did, 100%. And I knew when he was posting that thing on Facebook, I knew that because he's he's friend with my best friend on Facebook. Mm. And I knew that when he posted, because I didn't have time to call her up also. I mean, we were supposed to weigh and measure and mm-hmm. all of those things. So I was going to call her afterwards because she's the godmother. Mm. So I really wanted to mm. let her to know that he he was here. Um, and I think 10 minutes passed by and she wrote me text on WhatsApp like, have you already given birth? And I was like, yes, my dear. I was just about to tell you, but my dad, he, yes. He beat us to it. Mm. So that was their reaction, that they were really, really excited. Mm. Really, really excited, which is nice. It's nice. It's it's sweet in a way, but it's also like, oh, parents. (laughs) Yes, I know. They're so obnoxious sometimes. So was it the birth that you had anticipated? Um, 
The thing is, I don't know what I had anticipated. I just had anticipated a positive birth. And it really came out that way. Of course, it was hard along the way. Definitely. I will never say it wasn't. But my feeling afterwards is complete euphoria. You know, I have nothing except for the third midwife experience that wasn't really in in the context with what we wanted. But overall, like to 99.5%, this is a positive birth, which I'm glad to tell to everyone. And I feel, I mean, I feel amazing. So has it changed the way you look upon yourself? Maybe a little bit. In what way? I feel stronger than I did before. I mean, I know I'm strong. I always known I'm strong. But I think it has made me more grounded. I'm not as, you know, you can be, you can go through life and be a bit vibrant in a negative way where you feel insecure or you don't believe in yourself and all of those things. I I think I was on my way to pass that, but now I really pass this. Of course, I can have my moments of insecurity, but I'm more stable. I feel cooler. You're entitled to feel proud of yourself. You followed your gut feeling and trusted yourself in the process. That's Mm. something to be really proud of. I I think you should brag about it, which you are doing now. Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) I love it. It's a good way to brag, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. More bragging about the superpower that we hold within. Yes. And definitely a very yeah. good way to put it, superpower, because yeah. that's what it is. It is a superpower. And yes. like you say, that the, you were so drained before he was born. Yeah. And once he's born, it's like you get this super extra energy. It's amazing. I know. It's just, it's it's an amazing thing. So if there was one advice or wisdom you'd like to pass forward to the women listening, what would that be? Just trust yourself. Really trust yourself and have this positive end goal in mind what would you say were the most important things that your midwives did if we exclude the third midwife Mm. that came in and interrupted you Um, being there first and foremost they came when I needed them to come their guidance that was the most important that they were just there I could feel I can really relax I can behave as I want to you know I just I could be myself 100% and they were there 100% that was amazing Karin thank you so much for sharing your beautiful and really funny story thank you so much for having me it's been amazing I'm gonna do it over and over again Definitely. <laughs> the giving birth part or the podcast part? <laughs> uh, well, it depends if I get offer or for podcast, but definitely the birth part. Definitely. <laughs> Good. I'm so happy because this story has now got an eternal life and will be passed forward to other women preparing for birth. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast. And thank you, dear Karin, for sharing your fantastic story. It was such a joy to record it with you. And I am so proud of you for daring to trust your gut feeling, despite the people around you being so negative. 
For me, this is all about women's rights. It's so important that we can give women different options on how to choose to give birth. There is no one model that fits all. And we still have a long way to walk here in Sweden, but there is a fantastic project at Huddinge Karolinska Hospital in Stockholm called Min Barnmorska that hopefully will lead the way for other cities in Sweden and elsewhere. When it comes to breathing during labor and birth, my experience from helping so many women during the process, and it's also what I teach in my classes, is to listen to the needs in your body. If you feel good and relaxed while breathing a bit faster, well then do it. (laughs) Trust your body. If it feels good, it is good. (laughs) Use your voice, sing, moan, chant, move around, cry, laugh, do whatever makes you feel good. Behave like you are bringing a new human being into this world, whatever that means to you. If you like the podcast, please rate it on whatever pod platform you are using and help me spread the word about it. Stay safe and may the force be with you.